Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Are you ready? If you have your Bible, turn it to Psalm 133. I want to welcome everybody who is joining us this morning for Activation Church online. Thank you so much for stopping by, and we hope if you're in the area that you will come join us in person. Today we're going to be carrying on with a series that we started a few weeks ago called What Do We Do Now? So the big idea is Jesus died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. He rose from the dead. We know those things, but where do we go from here? I mean, I've put my faith in Christ. I've entered the waters of baptism. Is that it? Is that it for me? Am I just now floating through time and space until the trumpet sounds and we're all gathered together to meet him in the air? Or am I here for a purpose? And is there something that God desires for me right now? That's a question that the disciples in Jesus' time would have had to wrestle with. They saw him come back to life. They watched him minister on earth after his resurrection. They saw him ascend back to the Father, and I'm sure they wrestled with the whole, like, what do we do now? And that's something that I want us to wrestle with this morning and throughout the remainder of the series. Where do we go from here? What do we do? What is there for God that God has desired for us to accomplish? And we're going to look at Psalm 133 today as a springboard. But Psalm 133, the Bible says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is good to God, and it is pleasant for us when we live together, dwell together, and abide in this place of unity. Turn to the person next to you and say, God loves unity. That is why you see so much division taking place in our world today. Because the enemy understands how powerful this word is and he will do everything within his realm and his ability to bring division. He'll cause us to not like someone based upon where they came from. He'll cause us to look down on someone based upon the color of their skin. He'll cause us to reject someone because they weren't raised the way we were raised or they don't think the way we think. He'll even cause division within a church and cause us to separate over theological issues that are very minimal. The most important thing you can understand is that Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead and because of that you have new life. All the other stuff that we fight over is really a moot point. There are open-handed issues and there are closed-handed issues. Once saved, always saved, or you can lose your salvation. Doesn't matter to me. Can I be honest with you? Doesn't matter to me because I'm saved and I'm not in fear of losing it because I'm going to continue to walk with him. So if you can lose it, I'm good because I'm going to walk with Jesus. If you can't lose it, I'm good because I'm going to walk with Jesus. That conversation is almost like a, how far can I go before I actually lose the salvation? How much of myself can be in the world and the church at the same time before I get torn in two? And Jesus says, hey, guess what, bud? If you're lukewarm, I'll just spew you out of my mouth. But I mean, those are just like, why fight over that? I'm saved. I've received Jesus Christ into my heart and life. I'm going to live for him. I'm good. 
But there are these small things, and it's just division. Well, I, I don't like the color of the chairs. I don't like the color uh, of, the, uh, of the carpet. I, I don't like this program, or I do like this program. Division, 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 division. And God says how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion for there. Somebody say there. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. Where is there? Unity. God is saying when people come into unity, that is where my blessing will be commanded. It will actually chase you down and overtake you. You want to see your family blessed? Come into unity. Husbands and wives, you have to come into one accord with one mind and one vision of how you're going to do this thing we call family. If there is division within the husband and the wife, the home will not flourish the way God intended it to flourish because it is unity where God commands and releases the blessing. You want to see a church grow? It will happen when people come together in unity and understand it's not about me and my, it's about we. This church thing's not just about what I can get out of it, but what do I bring to the table so that we as a body, as a whole, can flourish? And, and the question I have is, are you about me and my, or are you about we? I wrestled with that question this morning a little bit. Because I think in some areas of my life, I'm probably a little bit about me and my. I'm okay in certain areas, like, yeah, I get the whole we concept, but, but am I truly about we when it comes to marriage and the home, or am I about what this marriage can do for me, and if things aren't working out my way, then I'm going to pitch a hissy fit? Here's some things that you could ask yourself to determine if it's all about you or if it's about we. Is, uh, do you rejoice when someone else is blessed? Because if you get jealous when someone else is blessed, it's all about you and not about we. Because the Bible teaches that we should rejoice with others when they're blessed. We should be rejoice, rejoicing. We should be happy. So, Paul, if I see God do something good for you, I should rejoice and be happy. Billy, if, if God blesses your business, I should rejoice and be happy. Nothing would make me more excited than to hear that God has blessed your socks off. I would rejoice and be happy. I take no joy in hearing about your suffering. Because when you mourn, I mourn. You know why? Because we're all in this together and I can't get selfish about it. Is it me and my or is it about we? When it comes to the church, is it about what is in it for me? Or is it about what's best for the whole? Because me and mine may not like a certain song. Me and mine may not like a certain program. Me and mine may like a certain program, but it's not beneficial to the whole. It doesn't mean it wasn't good, but it needs to be pruned back so that the whole can flourish. I mean, you think about a rose bush. There are rose buds that will grow and they'll flourish, but you got to cut it off for the 
for the entire bush to receive health. Does that make sense? I can't get so caught up on the one rose that I like that I miss the fact that there's a whole bush there. So that's how it comes when I come to church. It can't just be about me and my likes and my desires. It's about what is God doing? Jesus is the head of church of the church. So Jesus, what is it that you are desiring and how do I come into alignment with that so that it is no longer about me, it's no longer about my will, but it's your will be done for the we that's involved. Because that's where God commands the blessing when we come into unity. The Bible says it's like the refreshing water that comes from the heights of Mount Hermon down to the lower places of Mount Zion. Unity is so precious to God. Jesus prays this in his high priestly prayer where he says, Father, make them one even as you and I are one. So what's his desire here? His desire is that we would become one with another and one with him so that we don't move and act as individuals, but we move and act as his corporate body. You've got to get this in your mind. God loves unity. God desires unity. God requires unity and God blesses unity. Let's say that again. God desires unity. God requires unity and God blesses unity. So many of us, we want to see a mighty move of God. And we think that we're waiting on God to show up. And that's not the truth at all. In the book of Acts, he pours out his spirit and Peter stands up and says, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke about, that in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. This is that. That means it's already happened. His spirit has already been released for all flesh. So we're not waiting on God. God is waiting for us to come into proper alignment, to come into unity with one another and have one heart, one mind, one vision and make one sound. And when we do that, that's when God's gonna show up and bless us. If you go back to Acts 2, what does it say? The followers of Jesus, they're meeting together in one place, and they're all in what? One accord, which means they are in unity. What happens in that moment? The Spirit of God is released, and every single person in that room is filled. But what happens in the moments before that? Because remember, Jesus, he, he's resurrected. He's meeting with people. He's talking with people, and he tells them, you need to go wait. Now, when we fast forward to Acts 2, there's 120 in the room, but how many of you know there were more than 120 that Jesus spoke to and told them to go wait? Which means there are some people that said, well, I need to do this, or I would prefer to do this. There are probably even people that got together in the upper room, and a few hours in, a couple days in, were like, well, this was good, but got some other stuff that I would prefer doing. I would prefer being here or there. But once the 120 came into one accord in that one place with one mind, one heart, one vision, and that is God, move on us. Release the Holy Spirit that you have promised to us. And at that moment, a sound comes. The room's filled. Every single person in that room is filled, and they catch the attention of the community. And they start going, hey, what's all this about? See, we desire revival. We desire people to be saved. We desire to see God move in a big way, but the only way they're going to see Jesus 
is through us presenting Jesus well. And the problem is we have not presented him well because we do not understand that his body is a body and not an individual member. Think about, think about a puzzle. Every piece is a part of that puzzle, but you don't see the full picture of what the puzzle is until every piece is put into place. It's the same thing with you. We're all different members. We're, some are eyes and ears and fingers and mouths and toes and belly buttons and, and other stuff that we won't talk about here in church. But you understand everybody's got one, right? And if you're thinking, well, everybody around me doesn't look like one, then you may be the one. <laughs> but it is, when we, it is when we come together that Jesus is fully seen. You've got to get this in your, in, your, in your understanding today. See, we are all individual members. We are all individually filled with the Spirit of God and empowered by God. But that empowerment is so that we can step into proper alignment with the body. And that is where Jesus is fully seen, when every member is in its proper place working properly. Uh, not only is Jesus fully seen, but this is how Jesus is fully heard. Can I, uh, jo uh, John, would you come up here? Is Cameron in here? Jimmy in here? Jimmy, come grab your bass. Randy, will you grab the guitar? Y'all do this quick, because I want to, I've got a point to make with this. And we didn't, well, obviously didn't rehearse this. <laughs> but remember this. So, Jesus is fully seen when? When we all come together. When every piece of the puzzle is there. If one piece of the puzzle is missing or out of place, then you don't get the full picture. But not only that, Jesus is fully heard through our unity. So what I want you all to do is I want you to pick any chord that you can think of, make it, make it different than, from one another. And I'm going to count to three, and at the end of three, just hit it when you feel like hitting it. Are you ready? One, two, three. There's no clear sound there. Are you following this? It's no clear sound because they're operating as individuals. But now watch this. On the, I'm going to count y'all in. I want y'all to hit an E chord, okay? So one, two, three, four. There's clarity. Now do an A. Thank you. So are you getting this? When they do whatever they want, do whatever they please, there's, there's a sound that is confusing. Here's the issue. Here's the issue. The church is making a confusing sound, and that's why there is no revival, and that's why the world is not flocking to this place we call the church, because we are confusing. We say with our lips that we love one another, but through our actions, we treat others poorly. We don't accept people, we don't love people, we don't wanna partner with people, we don't see no importance with people, and so we, we are trying to paint this picture of one thing, but we're living completely different, and we're giving a sound that is confusing. Our, our children see us operate and function one way on Sunday morning, we come in, we raise our hands, but they're seeing a completely different set of parents at home. 
They, they see us honor God with our lips here, but then they see us curse one another with our lips at home, and we wonder why we're not seeing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's because we're making a confusing sound. But once we come together in unity, and we look right, and we sound right, God says, that's where I'll pour out my blessing. I will bless unity. I will begin to move. And that's what you see happen in Acts, the second chapter. Because not only are they filled with the Spirit of God, but let's drop down to verse 42 and see this. Verse two, uh, 42 of chapter 2, the Bible says, this is a result of those who heard the message. 3,000 of them give their life to Jesus in that moment. Now, where do they go from here? Do they just go back to the house and watch this? And they, somebody say they devoted themselves that that's a key your devotion how devoted are you to this thing we call the church and if you're just thinking of as a gathering where we hear a few songs and hear a message you're missing what the church is altogether how devoted are you to the church how devoted are you to one another how devoted are you to praying for one another how devoted are you to serving one another because they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread I love that part how many of y'all like to eat how many of y'all like to eat together I mean I'm not above eating by myself you know if I find a good meal I'll swallow it but I want you to see what they're doing. This is the New Testament church. The church is born, and watch what they're doing. They're coming together. They are devoted to coming together to hear the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, hanging out, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. This is, this is their lifestyle. This is who we are as the church. That's what they're saying. This is who we are. This is how we are identified. And here's the result. All came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The reason we don't see signs and wonders the way they saw the signs and wonders is not because God is different. It's not because God stopped doing things in a certain way. It's because we have shifted and changed through the years. We are no longer devoted to his word. We are no longer devoted to him. We are no longer devoted to one another. We are no longer devoted to caring for one another or praying for one another. And no wonder. Because when they devoted themselves and they came together and prayed together and ate together, the spirit of God began to move. And watch this. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, this was a regular lifestyle, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved when we come into proper alignment that's when the power of god begins to flow you know my cousin's a chiropractor and your body was actually designed to do certain things and actually heal yourself from certain elements as long as you are in proper what alignment so we go to the chiropractor, and if we go regular enough, 
regularly enough, or however you would like to say it, if we go get cracked enough, our body comes in alignment, and there's actually sickness that our body will fight off because it's working properly. Things are, being, are able to flow correctly. So the church, it's the body. When we're in proper alignment, what's the alignment? Unity. Unity. You want to see revival? Unify. When we sing, let's have a, uni a unified sound of worship. Like, the worship team should never be trying to coerce you or coach you into doing anything. They're simply here to lead you into doing what you already desire to do. And if you're just sitting here saying, sing my favorite song, entertain me, you're missing the point. You, you want to see things change in our city? Like if you really want to see things change in our city, get devoted to worship. Get devoted to praying. Not only on your own time, but get devoted to praying with one another and watch what God would do. We won't be able to seat the people that are coming in because the testimonies of what happened here on a Sunday morning will be so powerful, people will be waiting out in the parking lot to get in because they want to encounter the same God that you've had an encounter with. That's how it works. Do you know why people flocked to Jesus? It's because they heard the testimonies of others. When God touches you, you take your testimony and you share it. I'm telling you, church, if you'll hear what I'm saying, you'll see the power of God amped up in a measure that you've never seen it before. I'm saying this because I know this. I'm saying this because I have experienced this. I've seen God do amazing things with a small group of people. And I can't go back to the way it was. I've got to use every fiber of my being to push forward to take people to that place that I've already seen. Does that make sense to you? You know, when I was a kid, my family would go to Golden Corral or Ryan's Steakhouse. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? And that's where I would get a steak. And I loved it because I love red meat. But I have had better steak now. And I'm not coming down on Golden Corral or Ryan's, but if I want a good steak, that's not where I'm going because I've experienced something better. Are you following that? That's how I am with this thing that we call the church. I have seen how it worked when it's working properly. I've seen the miracles and the testimonies and the growth and the salvations and the baptisms when it's working properly. And all I'm trying to do is tell you, if we will unify and work together and serve together and pray together, we will see an explosion of God's goodness that will touch your home and the homes of those people we come into contact with. This church thing is very powerful. When you understand it, when you understand that it is the body of Christ Jesus himself on this earth, you'll understand how valuable what we do together is. But we have to have one mind, one heart, one vision, and we have to make one sound. One mind, one heart, one vision, and we have to make one sound. The Bible says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? The first sermon I ever preached at Activation Church was that verse right there. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Because that goes to every aspect of our life. 
Can our business flourish unless we be in agreement? Can our family flourish unless we be in agreement? Can a church flourish unless we be in agreement? We have one heart, one mind, one vision, making one sound. Can two walk together unless it be agreed? See, if there's no central vision, there will always be division. And this brings us back to the me and my of church. If you're always getting butt hurt because things aren't going me and my way, you're a part of the problem, not the solution. Does that make sense to you? When our attitude should be, we understand the vision, we understand where we're going, and whatever is best for that, that's where I'll go because I am a part of the body and I move with the body. Which means if there's something that I don't particularly care for, I'm okay with it because it's blessing the body. If there's something that I like that gets stopped, I'm okay with it because it's more beneficial for the body. Does that make sense? One heart, one mind, one vision making one sound. A clear sound. What is that vision? It's the same for every believer in church. The vision is to make Christ fully known. That, that, that should be the vision of every church, to make Christ fully known. The way we say it here at Activation Church is we are here so that people can activate their life in Christ. And everything that we do should be for that purpose. If I clean toilets, I clean toilets so that people can activate their life in Christ. If I work media, I do the media so that people can activate their life in Christ. If I sit in the nursery, I sit in the nursery so that people can activate their life in Christ. Are y'all following this? Everything that I do and you do that we do together should be for the purpose of seeing people activate their life in Christ. Now let me ask you what's more important, leading a song on Sunday morning or washing a toilet? Who said, somebody said it right. It's equal. But see, in our natural thinking, we don't see it that way. We see one is more important than the other, but it's every member working together to make the body function properly so that people can fully experience Christ. And when we understand this, we see that every aspect of the church is valuable and necessary for the vision of people activating their life in Christ. Even the parts that people don't see. You don't see the people scrubbing toilets during the week. You don't see people vacuuming during the week. You don't see people cleaning the chairs during the week. You don't see people straightening chairs during the week. You don't see those who are with your kids right now giving them the gospel. But how many of you are thankful that they're there doing it right now? Every part is important. And so for me, it's going to be like, okay, I'm going to find the need and fill it. What's the need? I'm going to get in that place and I'm going to fill it so that the body can flourish. Doesn't mean that I'm called to that forever, but maybe, have you ever considered that maybe just getting into the river is the thing that will take you down the, the way to get you to where you need to go? I don't know why I'm stepping into this, but I think it's important for you to hear. When I was a kid, I ran puppets for the children's church. When I was a kid, I became Ping Pong the Gorilla. I wore a gorilla costume for the kids in the church. I don't do that anymore. I don't wear the ping pong outfit anymore. Well, sometimes when Ashley asks me to, but that's a different. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. <laughs> no taking that back. 
I'm playing with you. I meant to say it. But are you following what I'm saying? I don't do that now. But where I am, where I am is a product of where I started from. So sometimes you find the need that is there and you get involved with the need that is there and that moves you along the way to get you to where God has actually called you to be. Don't try to just jump straight into a certain thing. Get involved where you're needed. So how do we unify? How do we come under one vision? I'm glad you asked. First thing is this. We have to love one another. Turn to the person next to you and say, love one another. Jesus says, by this will all men know that you are my disciples because you have love for one another. And I know what you're thinking right now. Well, I love people. But do you really? Deep down inside, do you really love everyone or do you hold a little bit of resentment or dislike? Because I think if you'll get real with yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to push some buttons, you'll see that there are some things inside of you that he wants to heal so that you can truly love people the way he's called you to love them. No matter where they've come from, no matter what they look like, no matter the color of their skin, no matter what they're, are you seeing this? We're all created in the image and the likeness of God. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made and he loves you just as much as he loves me. And I'm thankful for variety. I'm thankful that God didn't design everyone to be a chubby Armenian person with a balding head. I'm thankful that God gave us one another and that we are diverse and as Christians we should celebrate one another's diversity and not try to make you assimilate to my pattern. Did you hear that? See, sometimes we'll say, well, I'll accept you as long as you assimilate to me. So Frank, if you'll start dressing like me, if you'll, you already got the haircut, man. You got the haircut and the beard. If you'll go get you some cowboy boots you know, and some plaid shirts, I'll make sure there's a position for you at the church. But as long as you're wearing that Nike gear, they made that Satan shoe, no place for you. <laughs> we, we think it's silly, but it's true. We're called to love one another with a true, deep, God kind of love. Not a lip service love, a true love where I am moved by what moves you. When you hurt, I hurt. When you rejoice, I rejoice because I love you. Let me drop this on you. The Bible says if you do not or cannot love the person you can see, then don't say, I'm putting this in my own words, but you can go to 1 John, the fourth chapter. Don't say you love God that you can't see and hate the person that you can see. That's real. If you don't love the person next to you, the person sitting across from you, the person you're going to run into at the grocery store, then you do not love God and you have zero part of his kingdom. So if that person is you, you need to check yourself and allow the spirit of God to move and change some things so that you can step into this thing called unity where you can come under the blessing that God has commanded. So we have to love one another. Second, we have to serve one another. People always want position and title, especially within a church. You know, they want to be called the worship leader. They want to be called the deacon or the elder. 
and there are things that we'll do to manipulate, to position ourselves so that I can receive the title because that's what I really want. But Jesus models something completely different. Jesus models greatness as being a servant. Think about it, he's, he, he's going to eat a meal with his disciples. They come into this room, and it's their custom to wash their feet. And this was held for, like, the lowest servant in the room. They're going to be the ones that get down and wash the feet of the people before they eat. So they're there. They're waiting on their feet to get washed, and they notice that the servant's not there yet. And so the disciples, they get cozy up at the table and start thinking, can I jam down on some olives now? I don't know what they ate. In my mind, it's pita bread and olives. So let's go with that. So they're all sitting there waiting on somebody to come wash their feet. And while they're sitting there discussing, hey, who's going to do this? Jesus gets up, takes off his outer garments, and begins to wrap himself in a towel. And he goes one by one and starts washing the feet of his disciples. The greatest man to ever walk the planet, the only one that has an excuse to be entitled, is the one wearing a towel, washing the feet of his disciples his followers he's washing their feet and not just the ones he really really liked not just john the beloved who will stand there at the cross he washes the feet of the guys who are going to run in fear he washes peter's feet who's going to deny him three times he even washes judas's feet who he knows is about to betray him and then he says you've learned something here that you need to model and he's not trying to teach us to have foot washing services He's trying to teach us a lifestyle of getting down and serving one another. He tells his disciples, you want to be great? Learn to serve. Don't go after position and title. Don't go after the thing that people see because it makes you feel important. Because that will be your reward. Your reward will be their accolades. Bill, you did a good job, bud. That's your accolades. Jesus tries to teach us something different. It's completely different in the kingdom of God. Get in that place where nobody sees you, where it's just you doing it, where you're serving. And when you do that, man, God begins to reward you. And he sees this. If you'll be faithful over the little that nobody sees, then I'll elevate you. See, we miss that. We want to go straight for the position and the title, not realizing that all that matters is I'm a part of the body. That's all that matters. I'm just a part of the body. I never sought to have my own church. I never sought to be the pastor of my own church. I was happy being a part of the body. I was going to spend the rest of my life serving my father and my brother, and I would have been happy with that. But God saw that. God saw that I was happy helping someone else with their work, and he says, okay, I can trust you with your own. And God says what you make happen for others, he'll make happen for you. You want to experience the goodness of God, be good to someone else. You want to experience the favor of God, show someone else some favor. You want to experience true mercy, be merciful to others. It's so simple, yet we complicate it and we overlook it. And we'll have Bible studies where we sit around and talk about what would it look like for us to be fully devoted followers of Christ. And we talk about it, but we never do it. But now let me ask you, what would it look like for us to truly love one another, truly serve one another? Here's another one, to truly value one another. 
See, every single person in this room has value that God has placed inside of you. That's why he talks about not knowing anyone after the flesh, but after the spirit. What's, what's it mean? Don't, don't look at the outside. Don't get so caught up on the outward appearance that you miss the value that God's placed inside of them. The, the people did this with Jesus in his own hometown. He goes, and the Bible says Jesus could not do many mighty miracles. You know why? Because they saw him in the flesh and missed the value that was inside of him. And you can miss what God wants to do through someone because you don't honor or value the gift that he's placed inside of them. That is such, such an important thing for us to understand. Because in a church body like this, you can miss what God is trying to get to you because you just see, well, that's just Melissa. That's just Lauren. That's just Paul. Put your name there. Well, that's just old Aram. As soon as you make me old Aram to you, you cut off the gift that God's placed inside of me for you. This is, this is real talk right here. So we have to see the value in one another, and sometimes it's really covered up. Sometimes there's so much past and filth that we see that we, it's hard for us to, to, to see the value that's there, but it's there. You ever been panning for gold in Dahlonega? Never? I'm going to take you sometime because Brendan Hatton. If Brendan doesn't take you, I'm taking you. They give you a bag of dirt. Nay, you pay for this bag of dirt. All it is is dirt. But then you take it down to the water, and as you begin to wash and sift the dirt with the water, you begin to see the gold. That's what happens with our life. We're, we're all covered up. We're all dirty. We're all filthy. But inside of us, there is some value. And if I'll just see that and be patient with you and allow the washing of the water of the word to take place, then the gold that is inside of you will be revealed. So we got to value one another enough to be patient with one another. We got to understand that some of us have been in this church thing longer than others, and we need to be patient with one another. I love our men's group. The other day, we had our, our cornhole tournament. And two different times from two different guys, they slipped up and, and said a naughty word. And I laughed. Because we're real people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't come down on them or judge. We're real people. We're all in different processes. And just because they say that now doesn't mean they'll say it in the future. We need to be watched by that. Are you seeing this? We need to be patient with one another, love one another, serve one another, and allow God to bring the gold to the surface. Since when am I the judge of anyone? I'm not. And you're looking at the, the most unjudgmental person you'll probably ever see in your life. People come here and they think, well, if he knew that I did this, no, not me, man. Not me at all, because I understand that we are all flesh and subject to fall and fail. And I'm not going to judge you and put that on myself to where God says, okay, but big boy, I'm going to test you. Because God has a way of testing us in the area that we judge others. So I'd rather be really lenient. <laughs> no matter what you've done. Don't care, man. I've got my own issues. It's only by the grace of God that any of us make it through. Amen? The final thing is we've got to learn to give together. 
We love one another, we serve one another, we find the value, but we've got to learn to give together. Do you know, statistically, only 20% of the church gives and serves? Think about that. Now think about how much the church has accomplished globally off just the 20%. What would happen if those numbers were reversed? And the 80% said, you know what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to give. I'm going to show up. I'm going to serve. And then the 20% left over was just those in the world that weren't saved that are coming to check out what this thing called church is. Imagine what we would accomplish for the kingdom of God. We've all got to take some personal responsibility and remember that I'm a part of the we. And I can't ride on the coattail of another. At some point in time, I've got to stand up and go, you know what? I'm a member. I'm valuable. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to devote myself. I'm going to show that I value the mission by supporting the mission. And when we all do that together, when we all do our part in serving praying, giving, and we come into that unity. God breathes on it. And ministry explodes. And lives are changed. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. For everyone who's watching online today, I want to thank you again, and I want to pray for you. And I ask that God would move in a mighty and a powerful way, that he would touch your heart and your life, that he would join you to a local church to where you can begin to function and love and serve and give so that the body can manifest who Jesus is to the world around you. So Father, touch them right now. Lord, show them their value. Show them that they are loved. Lord, show them that they're not just floating through life aimlessly waiting on a trumpet to sound, but that you have called them to a lost, hurting, dying world that needs to hear about Jesus. And Lord, raise them up to fulfill that call. In Jesus' name, amen.